We are live now on the Conversations That Matter podcast. Welcome, everyone who's streaming. Sorry, we're a few minutes late. Uh, that's uh, probably fashionable, though, because I know many of you came on and you're waiting with bated breath for uh, what you're about to uh, listen to. And I'm, I'm actually very um, curious about this myself. Uh, we have a, a guest today, uh, Gary Bates, who is the president of Creation Ministries International. He's been speaking on the topics of creation evolution and extraterrestrial life since 1990. And he uh, made a great documentary uh, on this topic a few years ago. I actually saw it in theaters. It's called Alien Intrusion. And you can go to uh, alienintrusion.com still and see that if you're interested in it. It's a really well-made, uh, just wonderful documentary. Uh, he also has a book that accompanies a, uh, that movie, if you're more of a reader. I think the book was written first, and I've read that as well. And uh, I just thought with the new cycle, we, we need to get uh, Gary on to talk about this because he knows a lot more than me. Um, so if you're curious after this interview and you want to know more, uh, then uh, check out alienintrusion.com and you can find out more. But without further ado, uh, welcome, Gary. Thank you for joining hey, us. How are you? Good, good to talk to you. Very good. Uh, I, I, I debated to myself how to approach this. There's a number of ways to approach this topic. Um, and I thought the first thing to mention probably is to acknowledge, and because I've already gotten pushed back a little bit, that there are people out there who say this topic doesn't matter at all. It's just a big distraction from other political things, which maybe that is the case. You seem to think, though, that it's important. And uh, why is that? Why do you think this is an important topic enough to write a book about? Well, let me let me give you a bit of a personal history, because I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I didn't get saved until my adult years. And one of the great stumbling blocks for me in the belief uh, in the God of the Bible uh, was, in fact, the authority of Scripture, uh, the idea that God was a creator. As it says in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. I was a, with my scientific bent. I was an ardent evolutionist. And so when I did get saved, uh, for other reasons, I immediately tried to fit millions of years evolution, Big Bang, into the Bible. And, of course, when I look at the size of the universe based upon my Big Bang belief, well, if life evolved on Earth, it must have evolved countless times over in a billions of years old universe. Therefore, there could have been extraterrestrial life. So as I started to work for the ministry full time, and we can talk about this later, uh, I think the Bible's pretty clear that there is no extraterrestrial life in terms of sentient beings like ourselves, you know, capable of building interstellar spacecraft to visit other planets. But when we watch most science fiction today, and I'm a science fiction fan, that's why I ended up having a, an initial interest in the subject, most of that science fiction, whether you watch Star Wars or Star Trek, for example, you know, they're visiting other worlds and people are at their different stages of evolution and therefore they've developed different levels of technology, uh, etc. So the idea there is that in this evolutionary Big Bang old universe, aliens are evolving all over the place at different stages. And that's what underpins science fiction. That's why you know, you look at Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars. Why does he look different to humans? Well, evolution took a different turn, a left turn or a right turn in their planet's history. And so I realized that this 
pop culture icon because science fiction is the most popular entertainment genre today, bar none. Um, you know, at any time, six, seven, or eight of the highest grossing movies of all time are sci fi. The pop culture plus a scientific belief in evolution occurring all over the universe uh, is problematic for the Bible. And therefore, our ministry, Creation Ministries International, we seek to give answers to Christians in the area of origins. So I started researching and investigating it, and I've read countless. <laughs> UFO books written by people. Um, let me throw it in there, and I'll, it's certainly not a boast. I mean, I've spoken hundreds and hundreds of times on the subject. I've met literally hundreds of people who claim they've seen things in the sky, Christians included. The people listening here will have seen something they've never had closure on. And then on top of that, I've met literally dozens and dozens of people who claim that they've been abducted by aliens and, you know, they've been up on board the spaceship and They've met Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad, and they're all living together in peace and harmony. And, you know, you fuddy-duddy Christians have just got to get rid of your old-fashioned ways and embrace the new age and so on. So that's kind of a bit of a snapshot of why I got involved. But at the bottom of it, it gets back to origins. Where did we come from? Beliefs about where we come from, it, you know, that's the foundational question to what we call uh, the three big questions, you know. Uh, where do we come from? Why am I here? What's our meaning and purpose to life? And of course, what happens to us when we die? If the Big Bang and evolution is true, then we're just a giant cosmic accident along with all the other aliens. There's no meaning and purpose to life. There's no life after death. But if the Bible's true, uh, then we were created with meaning and purpose. And of course, the decisions we make in this life will affect where we spend eternity. So the foundational question that helps you answer questions two and three in both worldview scenarios is question one, where did we come from? And that's what this alien uh, issue gets to because people have been visited by aliens. They've been told that aliens are our creators and all sorts of stuff. Well, so, so you don't believe that these are aliens in the uh, traditional or common parlance, that the, these are this is something else, if, if anything's going on here. And, and I want to get into that and get into what... Mm. You think the Bible teaches on this, um, but as a way to do that, I thought it would be helpful just to show. Uh, I mean, the, this is, I think, from three years ago. The Pentagon mm -hmm. had declassified uh, some videos of what they uh, thought were UFOs. So many people watching are probably familiar with seeing this particular clip from the U.S. Navy. I, I hope you can see that, Gary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah. you know, recently, I'm just going to play a, a very short clip here. Um, this is within the last. Uh, 24 hours, I believe, we've had um, a number of uh, interviews on major media uh, websites like Fox News talking about this testimony, I think mostly in the wake of uh, there was a David Grush, if I'm pronouncing that right, a United States Air Force veteran. Uh, he went to Capitol Hill. I'm sure you follow that. Um, here, here's some of the things though, that are being said right now, currently, as we're in the news cycle as we're doing this interview. Object was moving very fast, faster than 95% of the stars near the sun. And it also had material strength tougher than all the rocks we had seen over the past decade in the NASA catalog. So uh, there is a chance, I, I wouldn't 
quantify it, I would just say it's quite possible that it's different than Iraq. In the past couple of years, we've seen more and more of the military showing these uh, very interesting objects flying in the sky. Uh, Avi, should this scare people? No, not at all. I think um, we should uh, welcome it because it will be information that we can learn from. Um, and it will inspire us to explore space. It may make us better instead of fighting with each other. Perhaps we'll, uh, it will be a, a wake-up call for us to realize that there are more important things in life than fighting with other people. Mm. You know, like uh, the third dimension of space will inspire us to put our resources into science, technology, and go out there. A man witnessed an alleged spacecraft retrieved in the 1980s and stored at Area 51. That's according to investigative journalist Ross Coulthard, who during a recent interview discussed an alleged anonymous source who has contacted the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, an office that investigates unidentified flying objects, about the alleged craft. According to the source, his great uncle worked at Area 51 and saw a photograph of the object. And according to Coulthard, said it was, quote, absolute proof of non-human craft. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, Gary, you, you being a Christian and, and saying that you don't believe uh, that these, these aliens uh, are out there, that they're visiting us with these modern spacecraft, what do you make of that, what you just saw? Well, when I listened to those interviews, I thought, oh, my goodness, there are so many answers I could give. Uh, let me first start, up, start off by saying, uh, you know, the, the secular media might turn around and say, oh, well, he's a Christian. He's going to be in denial. Uh, he's going to be a debunker. He's going to poo-poo it all. Uh, no. As I said, I've met hundreds of people who've seen things, and it surprises them when I say, I believe you. Uh, yes, uh, you know, and that's one of the things I would warn Christians about is don't turn around and say, let me tell you what it is, or it's all spiritual, etc. And we'll, we'll talk about that some more. You need to have empathy uh, and help people talk through and understand what they're seeing. You've seen the movie, and I think you would find uh, and agree, John, that the movie had a very, very empathetic approach to people who've endured these experiences, etc. Now, he turned around, uh, the first guy there turned around and said it was harder, it was harder, harder than rock or any substance. You've got to pick out the bits and pieces. Actually, he can't know that from seeing something move through the sky, okay? Now, they do appear on radar, which means they're reflecting radar signals, okay? Um, and they've been seen to change shape as they fly. This is nothing new. In Alien Intru Intrusion, Unmasking a Deception, the movie, you might remember that we featured some clips from a Washington press conference in 2010 where 80 Air Force officers got up and gave their testimony about these things moving faster than any man-made object we have, doing right angle turns without slowing down. Sometimes they merge into one another, become one object, and then go off in another direction. And of course, at the end, what is the conclusion they, they make? Well, I believe, and we're going we're to talk about it, that there is something spiritual going on, but the official authorities do not recognize the spiritual realm. So when they see something that seems to defy the laws of physics or seems to travel faster than any man-made craft we can make now, they must attribute it to some unknown advanced technology. And it gets back to what I was talking about before. Therefore, 
if it's advanced, it must be from beings who are more advanced than us, therefore they must be more evolved from us, etc. Now, I want to make a point here. When I there, there are two views, and I cover this in the book and the movie, of how aliens might visit us. One's called the extraterrestrial hypothesis, the ETH. And this is kind of what we see in science fiction, that people can fly faster than light in their real physical craft. Real physical beings can visit us uh, and visit other planets. Now, with what we know from 80 years of research with these sightings and what we know about the laws of physics, uh, even the skeptic, the non-Christian would have to say, really, that's not possible. And I know that when I say that, people are going, well, hang on, you can't say that. You know, 100 years ago, we didn't think we could visit the moon and so on and so forth. But visiting the moon in craft that fly thousands of miles per hour is a vast difference to craft that need to fly multiple factors of the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. And I'm saying within our physical space-time universe, it's not possible to get physical craft to do that. If, if you were flying at one-tenth of the speed of light, one-tenth of the speed of light, and you hit a speck of dust, it's got the impact of like, you know, multiple hydrogen bombs or atomic bombs, sorry, going off on the hull of your spaceship. And I know that in Star Trek and whatever, they have deflectors arrays and force fields. Well, that's just adding to the energy requirements of the craft because you've got to use equal opposing force to try to deflect it. Um, so we've never seen any of these sightings. And look, every day there's about 150 sightings across the world. Investigators go out. They can always explain about 90% of them because it's lay people looking up and they see you know, the International Space Station going overhead. They don't know what they're looking at. They see lenticular clouds that, are, that kind of have saucer shapes. Uh, it would surprise people to know the most common mistaken UFO is, in fact, the planet Venus uh, and accounts for over 20% of mistaking sightings, and that's because it doesn't twinkle like a star. It just sits up there in the night sky like a solid light. So people, when they look up because of this UFO culture, uh, go, oh, it might be a UFO. When they say that, they really mean a spaceship from other planets. But very few people believe in the ETH anymore. And in the years I've been investigating this, we've seen a shift. And the most popular view is called the interdimensional hypothesis. Because we now know when we see these UFOs, or they call them UAPs now, We've never seen them entering our atmosphere from outside. When they appear in our environment, they're here, they appear, and they disappear. And as I said, they defy the laws of physics. How can craft flying at seven, 8,000 miles per hour merge, become one object, and go off in another direction? The gravitational forces on any occupants would, would smash them. So this idea of called the interdimensional hypothesis uh, is that beings or craft might be visiting us from another realm or dimension. And that is always the view that I've advocated because it fits the biblical narrative because clearly the Bible talks about a spiritual realm, call it interdimensional if you want to. And what does it say? We've had visitors and beings from that realm, which we might call angels, 
angels have interacted in our environment. They've killed people. Uh, God's angel in Egypt with the 10 plagues affected our environment. It affected nature. And that's also what we see with these uh, UFOs. Sometimes there are energy surges. Sometimes there are blackouts, just like you see in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. They appear, they disappear, uh, and people see them. Now, a snapshot of all of, that, all of that is to say we don't disagree that people and now the governments are finally admitting that they see things. That's a huge quantum change, by the way, John, because in all the years I've been investigating this, there's always been plausible deniability. We go back to the 1950s where thousands of people saw UFOs buzz the Capitol Dome of the White House. And, you know, a general uh, had to come forward and say, yes, we saw it, but it, we don't know what it is, but we can say it's not extraterrestrial and it doesn't pose any any threat, you know, et cetera. So other governments have been more candid. The Mexican Air Force have always been candid for years about what they've been seeing. Um, so we're at a kind of a period, I want to say that I've kind of predicted would happen that the overwhelming evidence would be that we're seeing these things, we're seeing these things, but how would the government explain them? And they're really their only option, just like in that Washington press conference, the conclusion was we're dealing with a technology far advanced. Well, what else can it be? It's, it's alien technology visiting us from another realm or dimension. We don't understand it. So therefore, it's got to be some advanced technology. Whereas I would say, no, we are dealing with something interdimensional. And guess what? The good old Bible has always spoken about this. And the only way we can unpick it is when we look at the nature of what people are seeing, but also in this area called abductions. Because here's the problem. You showed that uh, Navy fighter tracking, a, tracking an alleged craft. Right. What are they going to do? You can't kind of put your tractor beam or your lasso on it and bring it in and do empirical tests on it, um, etc. Now, of course, in recent uh, interviews, people are saying that uh, there's been craft recovered and uh, non-human biological material. Um, now, of course, the question, this, <laughs> I tell you, get, you, again, you've got to pick the, the nuts and bolts out of it. You know, he was asked, have, have alien bodies being recovered? And he didn't say no. And he said, we have recovered non-human biological material. Now, I've already received emails from people saying they recovered alien bodies from the craft. No, that's not what they said. They said, we've covered non-human biological material. Now, what does that mean? Well, I could find a rabbit carcass and say to you, John, that is non-human biological material. Anything that is organic and exists in this world is non-human biological material. So... Sometimes people give testimonies that are less than candid, um, don't answer it straight. And I can't answer that question because nobody's done any DNA analysis on it. I mean, if it's non-human biological material, why didn't he turn around and say, oh, we've done a DNA analysis on it and this is what it is, which clearly means they haven't. So people have to be careful of misleading statements that are presented and designed to lead us in a, in a certain direction. They're not playing, as we'd say in Australia, with a straight bat. That's a cricketing parlance, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so 
uh, there's so many questions. Um, maybe to continue on with what you're already saying, uh, people, I think, wonder what about the supposed physical evidence? Because there, there's two categories, it seems like, that you bring out, or at least two, in your book. And you just mentioned it again. There's the people who have experiences where they go into these ships, supposedly, or they witness mm -hmm. aliens coming to them. And then there's the more the government end of it, of the technology that we're re supposedly reverse engineering. And we have all these crash spacecraft. And it's just, it's, it's like, uh, it's happening all the time. But we can't ever quite get, there's all this testimony, but we can't quite ever get um you know a primary source that you can sink your teeth in so what about um all this testimony that, of, of actual physical craft with technology i mean do you just say that now they're, they're just lying or uh that's just not true well i'm not aware of one single case where physical wreckage has been recovered uh roswell which i've written about and people can go to creation.com and type in um what really happened at Roswell. Um, there was wreckage recovered, but it was top secret. <laughs> and here's how kind of corny it gets. We're talking about 1947. And what happened is the Soviets were starting to uh, test nuclear weapons. And so we didn't have satellites in the atmosphere. So due to the curvature of the earth, how do we listen You know, over here to something that's happening over there, well, we put balloons with acoustic uh, listening devices in the atmosphere to be carried by the jet stream. So to avoid the line of sight, we could, you know, listen to them, uh, you know, or listen to what was happening in countries elsewhere. But when those balloons crashed, uh, obviously the US government didn't want anyone to know what they were doing. And so that famous Roswell Daily Record newspaper, front page newspaper, you know, UFO wreckage recovered at Roswell. Three days later, it came out and said, no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't. But the government never at that stage admitted what they're doing. Now, under the Freedom of Information Act, all that information is available. And we know exactly what happened. But here's, here's the thing, and people need to understand that our worldviews drive interpretation. Uh, there was a, a very famous uh, uh, Air Force uh, officer that was working at the base he went out and he saw the record wreckage and to his deathbed he said i saw wreckage from an alien craft and i saw alien bodies now we know they were they were um balloons carrying this very very primitive um acoustic listening uh, devices but the material was covered in a silvery, the balloon was covered in a kind of a silvery metallic object, which was unlike anything we'd had to that day. A primitive idea of trying to reflect radar and, and this type of stuff. And of course, it didn't do that. So we actually know what happened at Roswell, yet there are people alive today who will claim they saw the wreckage. It was from an alien craft and they saw alien bodies there. Um, they okay. do it for a number of reasons. We tend to put them into categories like they're mad or they're bad, as in they're trying to get their five minutes of fame. But I've learned over the years, uh, particularly in Christian ministry, that people are much more complex than that. Um, and sometimes you can believe your own cause is holy, and I've seen that in the UFO movement. People believe that the end justifies the means. They can stretch the truth because at the end of the day, it'll force people to and the governments to tell truth about 
UFOs. Another example related to Roswell was the famous Majestic 12 document. Uh, and this as a non-Christian certainly had me believing because they said here was a document signed by President Harry Truman uh, authorizing the creation of this MJ-12 group, which was to, you know, secretly, this is where the men in black idea comes from, to secretly investigate UFOs. Um, and to me, that was like, well, there's the president's signature. It's, uh, it's true. Obviously, the government knows about it. They've been covering it up. And then later it was revealed that that document was smuggled by two guys uh, into, uh, into government archives. These were publicly available archives, claimed that they'd found it. Um, and the whole book, you know, The Roswell Incident, which became a huge bestseller, and in my non-Christian days convinced me that UFOs and aliens really did exist, uh, all ended up turning out to be a hoax. And why did those guys do it? Well, maybe they thought they'd get a best-selling book out of it. But I suggest that they really believe that the government was hiding the truth and something like this would force their hand. But um, as I say, for years, the government has been in denial. I know the government's been seeing things. I know they've been recording it, and so do a lot of UFO investigators. And now, finally, they're turning around and saying, and releasing this footage. I mean, to me, this is a quantum shift. It's a, an absolute momentous event. And look, our ministry, we don't get into end times or eschatology. We tend to deal with the beginning of the book. But goodness me, I mean, what are people to think? Uh, I, as I say, I think they will explain it as UFO or extraterrestrial advanced alien technology. Um and this is going to cause a great paradigm shift in society. You know, in my book, Alien Intrusion, now you might not remember, but there's a quote there from the 1980s where NASA had investigated and they concluded that back in the 1980s that the, the idea that aliens were visiting us uh, would destabilize society because our, our views were much more traditional and conventional. And, of course, I've got that famous uh section in the movie where Ronald Reagan addressed the United Nations in the United 1980s and he said um, you know all of our and I'm paraphrasing all of our internal differences and in between our countries and the politics would disappear if we were facing a threat an alien threat from outside because suddenly we'd realize how small we are and that there's bigger meaning and purpose out there in the universe and there are massive implications for the idea uh, if the government does announce that aliens have been visiting us. Yeah, it's fascinating because that's what the Harvard professor, uh, Avi, I think it's Lowy, but if I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but in the initial clip that uh, I showed you, he's investigating supposedly that craft or asteroid or whatever it was, meteor that went into the ocean. Uh, and that's what he said. He said, well, maybe, maybe this is a, a good thing. This is a very positive thing. Um, we shouldn't be afraid, which is, I, I know you talk about that in your book, that there's been a shift from, uh, science fiction that the aliens are coming to kill us to science fiction that says, no, the aliens are actually coming to save us because we're killing each other, um, which is, is fascinating to see that show up now in, uh, you know, the, the coming out of the mouth of an actual scientist. It's not, it isn't sci-fi. Um, and and I, I will notice, I don't know if you saw this scary, but uh, in that clip, uh, Avi had a um, uh, some, some Jewish uh, religious symbolism behind him so I, i'm assuming he's religious in some ways um i know tucker carlson says he's a christian 
And yet you see these guys uh, who, who uh, you know, would believe either parts of or, or, or the uh, whole of the Bible saying that, yeah, we're, we're open to that. Yeah, we, we think that there's aliens out there, uh, which I just find fascinating. Um, I want to get your reaction to that. Uh, to, to, I know you have a lot to say on that, but we, we have a caller who, who uh, Elijah Thompson, who just came in. Elijah, can you hear me? I know I saw you uh, come on earlier, and uh, I, I figured you may have a question. Well, uh, hi guys, can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. I can I can barely hear you on my phone. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. So I, I kind of want to ask a two part question, if that's okay. Um, so the first question that I want to ask is about ancient religions. Um, so I've been listening to Haunted Cosmos, as probably some of the guys who are uh, listening to this have, I imagine. Um, and it's really changed my thinking on <clears throat> ancient religions um, and how they were founded. Uh, you know, I kind of took the more materialistic approach maybe in the past where I thought most ancient religions were founded on con men who had a good idea of the truth just as it had passed down, um, as it had been passed down since, um, you know, Noah, I guess, um, or pre-flood, I guess, Adam and Eve. Um, but now I kind of see these things more as demons or Nephilim being real, presenting themselves um, and being worshipped as gods. So I'm kind of wondering your thoughts on that. Do you do you see that in most ancient religions? Uh, and then I have a quick follow-up question. Uh, sure. I recommend you get a copy, and it's not just to plug the book Alien Intrusion, uh, UFOs and the Evolution Connection. You can get it on Amazon or creation.com as a, as a physical book or a digital download. Um, first thing, there are very, very common threads uh, in ancient religion. A lot of ancient religions uh, talk about seeing things uh, we have historical records so one of the aspects about what we commonly call ufos today have been seen throughout history uh, just kind of getting earlier back to what john says and then leading into your question um, in the movie alexander the great has records of flying shields apparently buzzing his armies um, now, the UFOs have changed shape. So in the late 1800s, they started to appear like balloons or blimps. And we didn't quite have that technology yet, but it was right on the horizon. It was being developed in Europe, believe it or not, at that time. So what we've seen over the years, obviously it's masquerading, but it seems to fit the technological understanding of the day you know if somebody if there was a farmer in his fields in the 1800s and he saw some lights look you know buzzing up in the skies if they're guided intelligently how might he interpret those well he's got no science fiction and you know spaceships on other planet type beliefs he's not been uh, enculturated that way for want of a better term so he might say well it's an angel or it's a demon or you know, maybe I need to get my glasses checked or something like that. So, again, remembering how people interpret things within the culture of the day. And that's also what we've seen in some of these ancient texts. 
The American Indians have stories of flying canoes with people on board. Now, getting back to your idea about Nephilim uh, and post-flood type things, again, that's fully covered in the book. I actually have a whole 13 pages on who were the sons of God in Genesis uh, 6. We get back to the word term, the sons of God is Bene Elohim, um, Adam was a son of God, Bene Elohim, etc. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, whenever angels appear, we see the same term, Bene Elohim. So in the Old Testament, it clearly, clearly refers to angels. So you have the um, son uh, or the descendants of Adam, Bene Adam, mixing with the daughters of men, okay? So clearly angels are coming down and intermarrying with human beings. Again, that means they take that physical form. And here's the problem. When most Christians think spiritual, they always kind of think about these ethereal, ghostly-like beings glowing white with angel wings, etc. But whenever angels appear in the Bible, they appear physically. Uh, they sat down with Abraham and they ate food so they're wearing clothes they had stomach organs and digestive tracts and they appeared as men so they had gender uh, so clearly uh, and the reason i kind of mentioned that that's the biblical explanation but guess what the ancient romans and the greeks also have stories of godlike creatures coming down and intermarrying with with people uh, famous TV show, Hercules, who was he? He was a half man, half human, descended from the gods when they took for themselves human women. The Bible tells us that those that sinned in Noah's time, those angels, are locked up in Tartarus. In the New Testament, the word for hell is always Hades, except for that one passage where it talks about those angels being kept in chain. Tartarus, well, guess what? Tartarus in Greek, uh, mythology is the same place that Zeus kept those gods who intermarried with women and disobeyed. He kept them locked up in Tartarus uh, as well. So there are overlaps. Obviously, you're going to see in the other religions uh, corrupted versions of biblical truths. There are over 200 flood legends in different tribal groups around the world that seem to, to mirror or gain, although corrupted, uh, the Bible's version of the great flood of Noah, uh, etc. Sometimes a giant tree uh, floats, people and animals survive. Um, the top of a mountain breaks off and people and animals survive. Even back in Australia, Australian Aboriginals have similar, similar flood legends. I hope that's covered. It's probably a bit more comprehensive than what you're asking. But we've seen UFO sightings or mysterious objects recorded throughout history the sons of God and the offspring, the Nephilim, in various forms uh, are paralleled in various mythological events as well. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Elijah, you had another question? Yeah, I had, had one more follow-up question. Um, so my, my follow-up question to that is, do you, <clears throat> since it's clear that demons and angels have both presented themselves very clearly to humankind um, 
do you see what's happening as a potential setup for demons revealing themselves um, in the form of extraterrestrials to the wider audience, you know, more than just um, a single person? Or do you kind of see that as, um, I, I don't know, I guess, where do you see kind of their level of power and influence potentially heading? Yeah, I think we've got to be careful as Christians to uh, look at any events in the current world and saying this is a harbinger of the of the end times. Um, you read the early apostles' writings in the New Testament; they kind of thought Jesus was coming tomorrow. And I'm sure our ancestors in the first and second world war, you know, probably thought Hitler was the Antichrist and something coming. But let me say this. Uh, Without me, you know, sticking my flag in the sand and saying this is it, I uh, I don't know. We could be here for another thousand years before anything happens. The idea that it would be aliens was kind of poo-pooed a while ago because of the view that physical aliens simply couldn't get here. But because of the interdimensional hypothesis, um, and the idea which scientists are jumping on board, the idea of multiverse or string theory, that there could be multiple dimensions, et cetera, to our universe. Uh, the interdimensional idea of aliens has kind of had some gravitas in recent years. So, yes, it's possible. Uh, I don't see a time in history, uh, depending upon your eschatological view, whether you believe in a a rapture or not, and whether Christians are going to disappear. Um, as a ministry, we don't take a view. But here's what's interesting. Again, you can read it in Alien Intrusion. The writings of the UFOs contactees themselves write about this. They say, for example, um, uh, Barbara Marciniak in a book called Bringers of the Dawn says that the the kind of the ones that are holding back Mother Earth from evolving into her next stage of ascendancy, they're going to be removed from the Earth, they're going to be taken to another planet, but don't worry about them, they'll be okay. And uh, these who are holding the Earth back, um, the Earth can now, you know, evolve, etc. And those on the Earth are going to, you know, be brought into a new dawn, hence the book of the title, uh, the book title, etc. So, there's a lot of UFO literature that kind of has end time prophetic events that seem to marry the Bible as well. And of course, they claim that these messages have been channeled to them from alien beings uh, that they're in direct contact with. So again, you don't have to take it from me, but the UFO people themselves, they're the ones that would probably say that we are certainly moving into a new period and a new age. And I think that it's a time for Christians to be absolutely sure of what they believe. Um, I was at a conference in Roswell some years ago. I was on a question panel and someone challenged me and said, well, what if an alien spaceship landed on the president's lawn and got out and shook his, you know, aliens got out and shook his hand kind of thing. And I said, well, I think it would be a deception. But somebody then said, well, what if we could really, really prove that it was aliens from a planet far, far away, etc. And I said, quite strongly, I th I'd have to throw my Bible away. That's how that's how much I believe on it because I don't believe Scripture uh, allows uh, for these things.
Well, why is that? Maybe rock us through uh, why the Bible prohibits the view that there could be intelligent life forms on other planets. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, again, a prima facie view, taking the Bible at face value. And by the way, on the creation evolution issue, which is what our ministry deals in, I should point out, I think we probably employ more scientists than any Christian ministry in the world. There is lots of lots of scientific and physical evidence to support a young age of the earth. And obviously that evolution is not happening. And people can type in creation.com. What about dinosaurs? What about eight men? And we've got over 16,000 articles there. But when we take the Bible at face value, um, the first man and woman sinned and they caused the world to fall. Okay. And uh, as a result, death entered the world. That's why we get cancers. It's why we die. It's why bad things happen. It's why we get earthquakes and tsunamis because it wasn't just Adam and Eve that was cursed. The ground was cursed. The plants were cursed. We're living in a cursed and fallen world. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, why does God allow these things to happen? Well, as Christians, we should look at our world around us and realize something's wrong with it. It's not the way God created should get us to question our mortality and, you know, what is there after this world? Well, the Bible says that the heavens and earth are being reserved for destruction. The term heavens and earth is what we'd call a merism. A merism is a, a grammatical phrase that where you describe the beginning and the end of the subject matter to describe everything. So it's a bit like, John, let's go and paint your radio studio from top to bottom tomorrow. The top is one end, the bottom is another. Implied in that statement is let's paint everything, right? right. So when God says the heavens and earth in Genesis, it's everything that God created, the universe. And so the same heavens and earth are reserved for destruction. God's going to make a new heavens and earth where death will no longer reign. So it's going to be a physical recreation. We get an idea of what the Edenic Genesis paradise was like because that's what God's going to restore things to. So why does he have to destroy it? Because of sin, because of the curse. Adam's curse was so grievous that it affected the universe. So imagine, you know, if God did create life on other planets, poor old Mr. Spock is sitting out there on the planet Vulcan and Vulcans get diseases and cancers and they die because of what Adam did. Well, here's the problem. They can't be saved. Why? Because Jesus is the last Adam to refers, reverse the effects of the first Adam. It tells you in the book of Hebrews chapter two, it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. God came as a human being to save human beings. And there are other passages that say, and to redeem the creation back to himself. Jesus is not going to be crucified and resurrected on hundreds of different planets for the aliens out there. The Bible says he died once for all. So summing up, you know, when God creates the new heavens and earth, poor old aliens who don't have a hope of salvation, you know, if they were created by God, they're intelligent, sentient beings who can ask those three big questions. They realize their mortal state, but they've got no hope of salvation because of what Adam did. And then God just rubs them out at the end of time. I submit to you that would make God unjust. And of course, that's something he's not uh, if he's God. 
Now that is taking, if you like, the traditional, some people might say literal view of scripture. And there is no reason, as I said at the beginning, not to do that uh, because of all the evidence that we have today. And the simple fact is, whenever we look out in our universe now, and they found thousands of what we call extrasolar planets, that, that these might be physical bodies rotating around their own suns, basically none of them have been candidates suitable for what we would understand as life. Most times we don't actually see a planet, so we might see a distant star, and then what's called, uh, you know, we see something moving in front of it that actually blocks the light of the sun. So we're presuming it's a planet. We can determine the size. Sometimes they're bigger than even Jupiter, where gravity would be so intense that it would, you know, beings being able to walk around, uh, it would be impossible for them, etc. So there's something called the anthropic principle, and there are over a hundred examples. And again, these are not Christian terms I'm coming up with. These are in general scientific use. Over a hundred examples where it looks like the earth is created specially for human life, that it looks unique. So just in our little neighborhood of our own solar system, right? If our earth was any closer to the sun, right? We'd fry a little bit further back, we'd freeze. We are the right distance from our moon. Our moon is actually only retreating from the earth about two centimeters per year. So even a million years ago, it would have been so close to the earth, we'd have these enormous tides that would wash up on the shore and then retreat. The, 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 the continents would have eroded down to nothing by this time. So it's just in the right spot to give us tides that actually cleanse our ocean, produce sea life that gives us oxygen that we could breathe, etc. So they're just, and even when we look at our, our Milky Way or our position of the Earth uh, and our solar system and our Milky Way gal galaxy, we're about a third of the uh, two thirds of the way out. But if we were any closer in towards the galactic central bulb, bulge, we wouldn't be able to see the different stars, which Bible says were given for navigation and for signs and for seasons. Uh, we'd get fried by radiation from the galactic central bulge and so on. I mean, you could go on. So people can even look it up, the anthropic principle. So the Bible says in Isaiah, it says the earth was created. Oh, God, he created it. He formed it to be inhabited. It wasn't created in vain. So the Bible tells you that God created the earth, especially for human life. Uh, I want to shift to the... Uh experiences people say they have and, and I, I wonder if you would agree with this uh the vacuum that secularism has has left and and you know modernity where we've denied the supernatural for so long at least in, in elite circles and we've relied on man's observational uh observations scientific inquiry etc to determine uh what is true and what is false and our, our metaphysics um it seems to me that this whole craze with aliens is is a more of a recent thing i know you mentioned there was some ancient literature that gives us parallels but that but but the frequency by which people are saying that they've had these experiences is much increased and and, and perhaps this is just my thought that is filling a vacuum that is offering a sense of transcendence and spirituality that uh we've rejected and so you know you would used to go walk into a church and you'd be amazed at uh 
you know, the stained glass and the organ music. And I mean, it brought your soul to heaven, just the architecture. And now without those, um, those experiences quite as much and, and with rejecting that and saying, that's not true where our souls are yearning for it somewhere else. And that, and this is where demons have filled in the gap. I mean, and maybe that's overly simplistic. Do you think that's a, a fair way to look at it? And, and does that correspond with some of these, uh, experiences people have where they've been abducted and they say that they've seen aliens? Mm. Uh, no, you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, there's no question that many people are turning away from traditional religion, um, Christianity amongst other things. Uh, in my book, again, the movie, I mentioned sociologists that have turned around and said that ufology, the study of UFOs, has become a substitute religion. Because we get back to those three questions, well, if aliens created us, or if they can tell us who created us, answer to question one, they can give us meaning and purpose. And as I said, in their writings, they have their own eschatology. They have this kind of nirvana, utopian world in the future. And you said earlier on, too, that in science fiction, we've gone away from the bad boy aliens to now they've been overseeing us, overseeing our evolution, looking at us, uh, etc. I called them the Space Brothers continually right. throughout the book. Um, that's not consistent with their behavior. Uh, and this leads us into abductees. You know, when people have these experiences, they're often told, uh, let me go back, that there's something we can use to determine it, and it's used in the UFO realm. It's called the classic abduction uh, syndrome, the CAS. And there are like the markers, there's up to eight. Not everybody has all eight, but even I use them when I talk to people to say, was there missing time? Did you see a light? Uh, were you told things? Were you told you were special? Were you given a mission and a job? And that is something that John Mack, a former professor of Harvard Medical School, who's one of the foremost researchers in the abduction realm, he's deceased now, uh, former Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author. We have some clips from him in the movie. But he says that they basically become evangelists for their cause after the experience. Now, the experience can be really, really traumatic. And he noticed that. He almost called them rape-like interventions because people have these sexual encounters. And it kind of often surprises people that when I'm using the CAS to talk to them and I'm kind of thinking, okay, I think this person's had a genuine experience. And I'll often say, did you have experiences of a sexual nature? And I'm not exaggerating. You can almost see their jaw drop. How did you know that? Because of the shame, they've never told anybody. You know, it's not exactly, well, you know, I'll go to the office tomorrow and we're having a cup of water around the water cooler. Oh, let me tell you what happened last night. Mm -hmm. I was abducted Great. by aliens and I visited Zeta reticuli and, you know, I was probed with blunt objects, etc. So here's the thing. Here's the rub. If they really have been overseeing our evolution and they, they've got concern for us, why do they stealthily abduct people in the middle of the night, subject them to gross um, abusive methods? And the secular researchers will tell you that and they try to excuse it. But if they've really been overseeing us and they understand the humankind, don't they understand these things are deleterious to the human spirit? 
why why do people come out with post traumatic syndrome after it? You know, they might say, and I, I kind of use this term in the book. Well, perhaps they don't say please on Pleiades, etc. That's not an excuse. If they care about humans, they should understand humans. And why are they secretly hiding and masquerading their intention? And in fact, Nick Redfern, who's a modern UFO guru, he's written over 40 books. We have him in the Alien Intrusion movie. He will tell you quite candidly, you know, and he's not a Christian. Uh, he, he's admitted that uh, to us. He would say they are masquerading their true intent. You go back to Dr. Jacques Vallée, one of the lead researchers in the 1980. He and uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek presented research to the United Nations. He clearly doesn't believe that there are aliens visiting us from another planet. We got a quote in the movie and said he'd be disappointed if they were. He thinks there's something much more interesting. But more and more researchers are saying that when it comes to the abduction scenario, they're lying, they're hurting people, they're hiding their true intent. This is completely incongruous with the idea that they're here looking after us and there are bene, you know, benefactors of, of the human species. Um, even uh, psychotherapists who hypnotize people who claim they've been abducted try to use hypnotic regression to go back will clearly state that what they what people are being told are lies. So there is this weight of evidence from the experiences themselves, from the UFO researchers themselves that say it's deceptive, it's hurting people, even though people excuse it by saying, well, I've been told I'm special, so therefore I need to put up with what's being done to me. Um, if I could share an example, it was one of the first interviews I'd ever done after my book came out. I was in the US and I went on Coast to Coast. You probably know that show. Yeah. Um, still runs to this day. It deals with Bigfoot and all sorts of strange stuff. And I was interviewed for three hours. And we had talk back and the first guy came on board and he said, I've been listening to you, Mr. Bates, and I've been an abductee since my childhood. It's been happening regularly. And I thought, oh, here he goes. He's going to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. And he turned around and he says, I just never thought of it that way. He said, you're right. He said, they don't love me like they claim. They, they treat me really bad. They abuse me. I, I have to put up with it. And they tell me it's some part of some greater cause. He said, why haven't I seen it before? He said, of course they. And I went, wow. You know, that was amazing. Just listening to me and what I said was the weight of evidence of how, you know, they abuse people. I mean, the sexual exploits, you know, and I don't want to go into the details. It's it's disgraceful. It's disgusting. It's It's abusive. And they should know that people don't fare too well when these things um, are, done, are done to them. So that's why I said at the beginning, we need to have empathy when we meet these people. You can't turn around and say, oh, it didn't really happen to, to you. Let me tell you it's demonic and they're deceiving because they've had a real experience. Now, it might not be real in terms of being on a spaceship and going to another planet. There's a way that we can explain all those false memories. But in terms of them believing they had a real experience, absolutely. And, and people do see things in the sky and they do appear on radar and they do change shape. And sometimes they've landed on the ground and they've left impressions 
But again, it's exactly what we should expect from the spiritual realm because the Bible explains that things can appear and manifest physically in our realm and deceptively. That's why the Old Testament is full of warnings. Do not seek after the heavenly host. Do not go after the starry host. And here's the rub. Um, you know, I was asked a question the other day about the witch of Endor. Do you remember that story in yes, the Bible yeah. yes, where yeah. Saul, Saul is jealous of David? He's getting paranoid and he's banned spiritists and mediums in the land. And then what does Saul go and do? He goes after one. And it says the prophet Samuel appears. When everybody says, well, it's a demonic manifestation, etc. I actually believe it's a case and, and God you know, we're not to seek after these things, but God obviously superintends all of it because the witch turns around and says, what have you done? Certainly it's not one of her familiar spirits. And the Bible says, Samuel says, Samuel says, so clearly it is the spirit of Samuel. And Samuel makes a prophecy about Saul that he's going to die on the battlefield the next day. Well, demons and angels can't predict the future. Only God can do that. Right. But the, the, the moral of the story is these things exist. And if you want to seek after them, you'll get them. That's what Saul did. But it might not be good for you. And it might be also deceptive. And if you want to seek after the supernatural, if you want to seek after fallen spirits, if you want to seek after angels, anything in the supernatural realm, um, God is not saying it doesn't exist. It's there, uh, and you'll probably get plenty of it. And that's what we find in the UFO realm. Some of the contactees desire it. They think they're special, and um, they are in regular contact, I believe, with supernatural entities. It was interesting in the book you talk about how some of the names of these aliens parallel ancient uh, gods, that the uh, false gods, the Israelites, had to deal with. Uh, <laughs> from all over the world, you know, transcending uh, language barriers uh, and geographic barriers. Uh, people are claiming that they're, they're the same names keep coming up, which I, I thought that was one of the strongest pieces of evidence that uh, th this is demonic. Uh, but uh, one of the things I think that, that, that that's important for Christians to understand about this is um, if it is in fact demonic, which I think it is, and, and that's what you advocate, um, a good experiment would be what happens when someone actually becomes a Christian who's talking to, you know, uh, a Baal or, or you know, some some demon. Um, it, it would certainly change things. And you do chronicle that. So uh, you talk to some of these people. What happens when they go from being uh, having these interactions to now they are a Christian with the Holy Spirit? And when that experience happens, they run to scripture, they run to God. I mean, uh, does it change what happens? Does it stop the experience from taking place? I mean, because there might be people listening who have this and they're saying, what can cure me? What can like get me out of this? Well, again, uh, yes, you're right. Um, first part of that was all of these names of gods like Baal and Ashtaroth, etc., or Asherah in various forms. Um, the names of a lot of these ancient gods were also names of planets uh, that took different form. We're seeing that again, the starry host, you see. It's kind of weird, John. Uh, Satan, 
there's a fallen angel, obviously a very powerful and intelligent being. And you kind of wonder why they can't get their stories straight. Uh, I wonder how much control, in fact, he might have over those that fell with him. Because I've met abductees who say, for example, uh, I had this encounter in Roswell with the lead MUFON investigator there that's saying, well, Jesus is just, you know, an advanced extraterrestrial and he's showing us the way, one of the ways to God. But of course, all the religions have different views. So they can't all be correct, can they? I mean, either they're all wrong or only one of them can be correct because if they disagree with each other, I mean, I've heard people say our creators come from the Pleiades or um, Zeta Reticuli, you know, or Sirius, etc. Well, they can't all be our creators, for example. So clearly people are giving a mishmash of information. And again, that's where I found I can unpick it because when I talk to them, I can say, well, how can that be true? Because, you know, Joe Blow over here, he's got a different version of origins. Is he right? And, and here's what we need to understand. The experience can be real. And so we tend to think that the, the, the information that comes with the experience, therefore, must also be real. But you can have a real experience that can be deceptive. And people have had that throughout the ages. Again, the Bible records those types of things. So what's the simple answer? And sometimes I think we really, really overcomplicate Scripture there's a very, very fundamental battle going on that started back in the Garden of Eden. We can understand from the book of, um, you know, Daniel, for example, where he prays and three weeks later an angel appears and he says, I've been fighting against the prince of Persia, I think it is, for, for three weeks or something like that. I might be paraphrasing it very badly. Here's something Jesus said about the devil. He said he is a liar, the father of lies, there is no truth in him. And quite simply, if we've ever met somebody that we know is kind of a pathological liar, eventually you're able to poke holes in their stories because everything just becomes a great charade or masquerade to build up, to, to, to cover up what is a fundamental lie somewhere along the line. And I think this is what we see happening uh, in the spiritual realm. People become convinced by the false narrative uh, that they they get so the second part of that what happens when people become christians well in the book and in the movie you will hear and it's quite traumatic i'm sure if you remember the movie listening to these people yes who we've asked to recount their experiences are now christians but even recounting it was so traumatic that they they break down and cry because they realized they were being used and violated by, you know, fallen angels, uh, spiritual forces. But in the U.S. in particular, we have a much stronger Christian background or basis than we might see in most Western, other Western countries. And so a lot of these uh, people in the middle of their experience, you know, perhaps they'd grown up going to church and they abandoned it, but they were terrified. And in their moment of horror, uh, and sometimes this is being paralyzed in bed, being unable to move, they could just utter the words, Jesus, or Jesus, help me. And they said that 
in that instant, the experience left them. The little beings that were stood at the bottom of their bed disappeared, etc. Now, that doesn't mean it stopped in its tracks. And sometimes it may try to manifest again and try it on again. Now, there are millions of people who've had these experiences, but now we've got over 400 cases that I'm aware of uh, where people who've called out on the name of Jesus, said a prayer, sang a hymn, done something to resort to some sense of solitude or appealing to help to a greater force, has stopped these experiences in, in its tracks. So what does that tell us about the spiritual nature of what is happening? And then once that happens, if it manifests itself again, they know that there is actually power in the name of Jesus because if the Bible is true and Jesus is the creator, as we will read in Colossians 1, um, he has authority and power also over these spiritual beings because he is the one that created them. And again, it fits the, the view that modern researchers have come to, that the experiences is coming from another realm or a dimension, and certainly something um, is happening there. Let me just share something I haven't shared with people very much, and it's in my own book. I mentioned I didn't get saved until I was an adult. Uh, I was right into science fiction. I certainly uh, wasn't working for the ministry at this time. And I had one of those experiences in my bed. Now, sometimes it masquerades as aliens. Uh, and what I'm about to say, John, I know from experience, lots and lots of people have had it. So I'm sharing it for the benefit of those listening. If you've had this experience or something like it, I was in my room. I'd only just given my life to the Lord a few days before. I was super excited about my newfound faith. I was lying in bed. And all of a sudden, I had what they call sleep paralysis, which the skeptics try to explain away as some psychological or chemical condition. But I saw a black object in my room. It didn't have any shape. It was like just a black hole, the way I described it. And I couldn't see any light through it. I could look to the left and see my room. I could look to the right. But I was paralyzed, and then it descended upon me. And I thought it was going to smother my face. I remember grasping for air and then it moved down and it grabbed my throat and I had this physical sense of being choked. I tried to utter words out. I couldn't even speak probably. I just had these groans in my sleep, but I just said, Jesus, help me. And that instant it left me. So what is it about my non-Christian, well, only just become a Christian but something was obviously trying it on in my newfound faith. I had no concept really of the spiritual realm. I was an evolutionist. Something happened to me, but I was excited about Jesus. I called on him and I was rescued in that moment. And it took me a long time for me to kind of understand talking with mature Christians about what was happening. And then as of course I entered the UFO realm, the research and I've heard just dozens and dozens of experiences uh, that are similar to this. If people want to go, uh, my fellow collaborator, Joe Jordan, uh, who appears in the movie, a former evolutionist, skeptic, uh, an investigator for MUFON who didn't come from a Christian background, by looking at the nature of abductions, uh, he and his collaborator at the time said, 
why are these why are why are um, aliens frightened of the name of Jesus? Because they came across this evidence themselves. It doesn't make sense. You know, one of the guys in the movie said, you know, this mythical biblical character that some people think didn't really exist. Why, why are aliens frightened of him? So they started to research more and they took themselves off to a new Christians Bible study group to try to find out what it was in their words, what it was about Christians that aliens didn't like. But then they started to see the spiritual realm and the spiritual connection in the Bible. He, he got saved. He later became a, a pastor, was ordained at his church. He worked in South Korea with the U.S. government and for MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, the world's largest clearinghouse for UFO investigations. He became the head researcher in uh, in South Korea at the time. Uh, he's now back in, in the U.S. having retired, continuing research. But if people go to uh, look him up, Joe Jordan, um, CE4 Research, they'll find his website. They've got lots and lots of testimonies that I've just ex just described uh, there. These are ones where people will allow themselves to be identified. Obviously, for a lot of people, they don't want themselves identified on that. We have someone in channel right now, Berean Babes podcast says, I have experienced something like that. When you call Jesus, it goes away immediately. And I can testify, I have friends that share similar experiences. I have myself had similar experiences I haven't shared, but uh yeah, I wonder how common it is. I know uh, I, I've read that, especially in children, that this uh, kind of thing happens. And of course, they explain it away. But uh, but it, it certainly fits the alien abduction scenario as well. There seems to be a parallel there. Um, and, and I'm just so grateful that you've done this research because someone needed to do it. Someone needed to, uh, from a biblical understanding, approach this. And you've done a phenomenal job. People can go um, like I said at the beginning, to alienintrusion.com, uh, I believe it is, alienintrusion.com. Well, cre creation.com is, I mean, alienintrusion.com was created for the movie and the book, but right. um, the main resource is creation.com, and there's uh, you you can go to the uh, Q&A section. There's a whole category on aliens, UFO, all the key articles there. You can buy the book. You can stream the movie from our store, um, et cetera. So, um Alien intrusion, yes, is a portal to get the book and the movie. But if people have questions, they've just got to type it into the search engine on creation.com. Uh, and there's lots of articles, including gov if they type in the term government UFOs, there's some up-to-date articles there about what the government um, is revealing. But I just want to encourage people, um, be careful of the testimonies you hear that always sound convincing. Um, NASA astronauts have seen things. Yes, they have. It doesn't mean that aliens exist and we're being visited by extraterrestrials. Um, there's an article on the website, John, that says over 80% of Americans, it was a CNN Time poll, uh, Time Warner poll, claim that over 80% of Americans believe that aliens have either visited us uh, in the past or are currently visiting us. That's a staggering amount, and that must also obviously include a lot of Christians. We need to be grounded and be sure of God's word because, um, I mean, how, how do we know about Jesus? How do we know that we're sinners? How do we know what it is to be saved? We get that information from the Bible. But if the Bible's testimony in its early chapters is wrong, where does the truth begin? I, I think we are faced with the issue of we either believe all of it or none of it, 
Jesus believed in an Adam and Eve. He believed in a global flood. To be frank, that's good enough for me. Well, on that note, I just uh, want to close with, um, I feel like I would be negligent if I didn't say this, that uh, for those who might be listening, who have had these experiences or, or still struggle to believe whether there's aliens or not, um, the, the main problem the Bible says that we have is not aliens visiting us uh, who, who might do bad things to us. It's not what we're doing to ourselves uh, by you know polluting the planet and that aliens have to prevent us from doing that or something. It's actually our sin. Right. And, and the Bible has an answer for this uh, in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And that that is the um, th- that is the key to uh, stopping these experiences. If those are having them, um, I-, I see great evangelism potential here, Gary. And I know people can order your DVD or your book and give it to friends uh, as because the gospel is presented in that the good news that Jesus Christ has come to save the world, uh, those, those who, are, who are his own from their sins. But um, are, are there any tracks? Are there any materials that are uh, uh, maybe a little less expensive that churches can order? I, I don't know if you have that material to, to give to people on the subject. Uh, absolutely. Um, so we have a little booklet. Um, are we being visited by extraterrestrials? But the Alien Intrusion movie, if people look on the store, we have sleeved DVDs. And they're specifically designed for giving away. Uh, forgive me, I think they're about two dollars each. Oh, well, that's pretty reasonable. So, with the, in fact, we just had devotions in the office uh, this morning before before I came on to speak to you. And uh, one of our ladies, our front desk ladies, just says, since the government, uh, you know, been releasing this stuff, and in the last few days, as I said, I've received lots of emails. There's been a huge uptake in the book. And the DVD for people seeking answers and Christians wanting to get it into the hands uh, of somebody else. And, um, I, you know, it's encouraging because, you know, you have hundreds and hundreds of people uh, taking up resources. But every now and then you get some encouragement. I mean, a man wrote in last week, he just ordered 150 of those sleeve DVDs. And he said to me, uh, your movie changed my life. Wow. So, folks, don't underestimate the power because if I could say in closing, one of the things I never expected, uh, John, when I got into this is, you know, when we go to churches and we talk about creation evolution, obviously we are really standing up against the secular scientific interpretation of our origins, how the world, the universe began. We're a scientific organization, so it's not like we're trying to be unscientific, but, but that's the government mandated view. But I've had so many people say, Gary, when I heard you speak, um, I had that experience. It was like that. What we need to do as Christians, as I said earlier, is have an empathetic approach. And that is we've got to love people into the kingdom first and foremost, even if we disagree with their scientific views, even if we think they've been affected spiritually. It's no point just jumping in their face and saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, because to them, it's real. And so when you can show or give them something that says, yes, I understand what happened to you, oh, boy, what a difference that can make. Uh, because, as I said, you know, when I appeared on Coast to Coast, that young man, the first caller, he said, it was just like you said. And I never saw it like that before. Um, these people are marginalized. And not just the abductees, people who've seen stuff, they're fright- Christians can see it because sometimes thousands of people see objects up there 
and that include Christians. And because we're in the church, we're a little bit frightened to tell others because somebody might think, oh, what's going on in his life? And there's all this baggage that we've put onto people at times, John. And, you know, why did I become a Christian? It wasn't because I believed the Bible. I responded to the love of Christ. You know, his spotlight came upon me and I realized there were things wrong in my life, things that I needed to get right. And everybody has that baggage and including people who've never been able to talk to somebody else when they can see that we have the answer, that Christ is the answer and the Bible can explain these things and put a stop to it for those who are being more seriously affected. So empathize with people. Uh, share a resource with them. The resource itself will say to them, we understand. Yeah, that was excellent. Thank you, Gary, uh, for stopping by, for being willing to discuss this. Uh, and I just once again encourage everyone, uh, go to creation.com, support Creation Ministries International, get resources there that help answer some of these questions. Uh, God bless you, Gary. Thank you, John. And thank you for doing what you do and, and bringing this into the spotlight. It's much needed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.